630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. At center ice is Connor McDavid. He's got Darrell Walker and he's got some room down the sidelines. McDavid to Everly. Dishes off. What time? To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Score! Eskimos! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, we got open line time here. First half hour of the show and a little bit beyond, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. I would love to hear from you. I know some of you maybe want to talk about what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers, how you feel about... uh, 23 hours after the Montreal Canadiens scored four times in the last six and a half minutes to grab a win last night. The Oilers obviously still, you know, in very good position, quite frankly, to make the playoffs just a little lower down in the standings than they were a week and a half ago. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. You may have some reaction to this. Milan Lucic signed last offseason to provide a physical presence, to score some goals, and also to stand up and say things like this. Well, I think things get magnified when you go through uh, a skid like this at this time of year, you know. Uh, you know, early in the season, I remember going through a skid and it wasn't, you know, as magnified and uh, just because of the timing of it and, and, and I guess with... Um, 14 games left obviously you know there's a lot more important importance that goes to uh every single game but um i mean the main thing is is uh you gotta trust and trust in yourself trust in the system and come and have fun with it you know it's uh it's a fun time of year uh it's almost springtime uh even though it might not feel like it but uh <laughs> But, you know, it's it, as a competitor, this is the time of year where you want to be playing in games like this. And uh, you got to rely on what's got you to this point. And that's, uh, you know, sticking to the system and, and, and playing the right way and, and, and not cheating to, to look for, for, for goals and, 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 and all that type of stuff. So uh, we know we're a good team. Uh, we've shown that we're a good team. We can't let frustration and doubt creep into our minds at this time of year. And also, the big thing too is, is as much as we're watching the standings as you guys are and the fans are, we can't we can't rely on uh, other teams to get the job done for us. We got to go out there and and win those games and 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 take matters into our own hands because you know we're still in a really good spot and we're in control of our own destiny and it's just about you know having short-term memory of of uh last night's loss and be focused on tomorrow night it was interesting standing there in the media scrum today listening to milan lucic make those comments clearly some big picture comments 
And, uh, you know, clearly a guy who's focused, I think, showed a lot of maturity there, who uh, isn't panicking, who knows the ups and downs that a team and an individual can experience shift to shift, game to game, month to month, and quite frankly, season to season. You know, Claude Julien on the weekend, who was uh, in town coaching the Canadians, was asked about Lucic, who he used to coach in the Boston Bruins, and he basically said there was no one more important to that Boston comeback four years ago when they were down 4-1 in the third period to the Toronto Maple Leafs. There was no one more positive, no one more encouraging that the Bruins were going to fight their way back in that game, which they did with three goals in the final 11 minutes, one of them by Lucic, and then the win in overtime for one of the most improbable wins in NHL playoff history. Lucic has been a part of that. I, I just was really impressed by, by, by what he said, and I, I think, look, the Pittsburgh game, first of all, from an entertainment standpoint, incredible game. One of the best games I've ever seen in person, any sport, any venue, any level any league, whatever you want to call it. That was, that was just an awesome hockey game. Uh, you know, chances both ways. The Oilers prove they can play with anybody. Now against Montreal, Montreal plays a different style than Pittsburgh. You know, I thought some of the Oilers' high-end guys had a little bit of an off night. Montreal was charging the net. They eventually got a bounce to go in for the winning goal, the two empty netters. So it's basically a one-goal game that goes into the uh, books as a 4-1 game. The Oilers are in a good position, and I think that they're, you know, you look at what's happened this season, and Rob Brown has said this several times. He has said the Oilers are not good enough to go out there and consistently dominate. Even against teams who might be below them in the standings, they are good enough to be in pretty much every game. And how many Oilers games have been really convincing one way or the other? You could probably count them on one hand. Games where they've absolutely gotten destroyed and also games where they've gone out there and just bombed the competition. Most games have been within a goal or two. Most games have come down to a vital play or two in the third period or in overtime. So I think that the Oilers are now in the position where they're at, where they have, you know, an okay lead, seven points on a playoff position, where they're they're not quite in the top three in their division. I think that's probably exactly where they belong. They're 12th in the overall standings. To me, most of the year, they've looked like a team that can finish 8th through 12th. Now, they have to put it together. I'm just saying, judging by the way this season has progressed, I mean, okay, yeah, disappointing. They're only 1-2-1 and one halfway through the homestand. They still have opportunities to make it a pretty good homestand. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Doug will kick off the open line tonight. Hello, Doug. Hey, how's it going? I was just curious, uh, like the Oilers are, you know, they're up and down a bit or whatever, but I was just curious in the off season if Edmonton, you know, if we would ever be interested in seeing what JVR would be like with Connor McDavid. I just think uh, you're having, you know, having trouble finding somebody to fit with him on almost every night, and uh, I think JVR... Um, and the Leafs, you know, they could use defense. Do you think he'd ever be interested in seeing if he's out there? His name's always been picked around, and he's still a young, big guy. Well, he's a good player. He's 27. He's scored 30, 27 goals uh, in the past. He uh, was limited last year to 40 games. He has 21 this year. He's 27 years old. He is a good player. Uh, he does have a 10-team no-move, or pardon me, 
He has a modified no-trade clause. So the way these clauses generally work, Doug, is at the beginning of the season, the player gives his list or the agent gives a list to the general manager. In JVR's case, he submits a 10-team no-trade list. I have no idea if he would put the Oilers on that uh, at any point. I, I don't know what defenseman the Oilers would trade at this point, though. I mean, are you going to trade Darnell Nurse for James Van Riemsdyk? I'm not sure I would do that. You're not going to trade Clefbaum or Larson or Secker has a no move. So I don't know if necessarily there's a marriage there down the path you're talking about. Yeah, I was just curious because, I mean, there's there's other trades that a person could do during the summer, right? To Sure. You know, to replace somebody. I just don't think... Uh, uh, I think McDavid, most nights when he's playing, he, I think he gets a little bit frustrated because uh, watching the games, he sets people up, and, uh, and sometimes you're, I think you're getting tired of people missing, right? And uh, to me, JVR is uh, a guy that can put the puck in the net. He's a big boy. He's young enough yet uh I just thought, you know what? Nail well, he's season. he's a good player. I mean, I don't know if he's the third leading scorer on the Leafs, so he has a lot of value to their team, obviously, right? Uh, he's the top scoring left winger on their team by a wide margin, by a wide yeah. margin, I should add. So I, I don't know if that's a guy they're easily going to part with. But, I mean, there will be roster changes in the summer. But, uh, well, yeah. I think they will myself because the Leafs have got way too many guys that they're going to start paying money to and I just don't know if they're going to be able to afford you know Van Rimsky you got Caudry you got you know uh, all the young guys that are coming up that want to play too so I mean it's one of those things where um, I think he's got one more year left on his contract after he does this year. Yep. So I was just curious if we would ever be interested in him that's all all right, thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text six thirty six thirty. This person says, "I think fans are being harsh because it seems the Oilers don't have a killer instinct to will the team to points." Last night was just another example of that. Up one nothing with six minutes to go. At that point, you have to bear down and get those two points. Well, I mean, they they didn't play well enough in the third period. They're also twenty one two and one when leading after two periods. So I. I I, I mean, again, it, it's a game you would have obviously preferred to win. I, I, do, I just don't think this year's version of the Oilers has shown a, a history of continually, continually collapsing in the third period. I mean, two out of 24 times leading into the third, they have not got lo- uh, at least a point out of the game. So, you know, most games they've, they've closed out. Mo- most games they've closed out. I'm not telling anybody to feel good about it. A- absolutely. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you how to feel as a fan. Uh, I'm just saying from being there today, hearing Lucic, hearing McClellan, you know, I, I don't think the mood around the team is that things are falling apart. And all the the best indicator of past performance, or pardon me, the best indication of future performance is past performance. The Oilers have had three, four, five game slumps throughout the year, and and they have usually responded. You know, with a, a little bit of a better run, or when they've had trouble offense, they've 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 had a game where they've broken out and got five or six. That has happened continually throughout the season. Like I said, I was saying, to Andrew, they're seven nine and one in their last seventeen. Okay, below average, obviously. In their previous nineteen games, they were thirteen three and three. 
So even those sets within the season, the good stretch was was better than the off stretch. We'll get to more phone calls as we move along. Jared's up next, 780-496-0063, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, here's what's going on tonight. Lightning and Rangers tied 2-2 in the second period. Same score, same part of the game for the Blue Jackets and the Flyers. Hurricanes and Islanders 2-2 after one. Jets lead the Predators 1-0 in the first period. Wheeler has his 21st. Four games later, including the Penguins and the Flames. Pittsburgh has won five in a row. Calgary has won nine straight. The Oilers winless in their last three. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. They're not going great. They're not going the way we want uh, as far as results. But if you look at uh, a few of the games on the homestand, I thought we played quite well against Detroit. Uh, Exceptional game against Pittsburgh. Came out on the short end. Uh, Last night, our execution wasn't where it needs to be, but... um, Panic and uh, apprehension isn't going to help our group. Uh, we've got to learn to navigate our way through uh, the ups and downs. And, um, you know, this segment of 10 or 12 games, we could drop it anywhere we want during the season. And uh, we need to behave that way rather than, uh, than get uptight because it's near the end of the year. But um, some of that's experience. I know the veteran players that have been through it before are saying and doing the right things. Uh, we're trying to handle the group uh, the right ways of coaching staff. Um, and uh, we'll keep going. And tomorrow's a, an opportunity for us. That's what it is. We parked last night's game, and uh, we look forward. All right, there we go. Head coach Todd McClellan. Oilers in Dallas tomorrow on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 7. My name is Reed Wilkins, and we have one of our regulars on the line, Jared. Jared, good to hear from you, man. Hi, Reed. He's got a, a quick comment. I have a theory of why the Oilers uh, played better against the the good teams and maybe not as well against the lesser teams. And I don't consider Montreal one of the top teams, even though they have quite a few points. And I think that when the Oilers play the better teams, they play a more defensive style because they're the underdog. But when they play the lesser teams, they almost seem to get beat at their own game in terms of defensive style. And they, they let the game squeak away by one or two goals. And the only other thing I'd like to bring up is that I do think the Oilers are going to make the playoffs, but my only concern is that kind of unseen hand of fate where things just don't go your way, even though you play well. And you look at right now, Calgary's won won nine in a row, uh, Pittsburgh's won five in a row, and Washington, I think, has lost five in a row, and how you can have those surges where you can have situations like everything's going right for Calgary, but now nothing is going right for Washington. And you look at how many times in history, like at the end of a season or in the playoff series, where the team plays well, but they don't get any breaks. And I'm not a big believer in luck, but there is a concern, like what Tom McClellan said, you can't play tight. Because if you play the, the tight game, the mistakes are going to come and you're going to lose the ones in overtime. You're going to lose them late in the game. And they still have to play... Uh, I think a fairly loose style in order to win because they could play well, but then the tightness doesn't give them the results. Well, I think, and I like what Lucci said. They they have to trust the the system. They have to trust their experience. And I, I do like what Lucci said there, Jared, where he says this is a fun time of year. 
I mean, this this is a fun time of year. They're they're seven points up on Los Angeles. They're four points up on St. Louis. Those two teams play tonight. They both they both of them won't win, right? You just hope the game doesn't go to overtime. I mean, this is a fun time of year, and and I think you know Lucic coming out and saying that instead of saying, "Oh my God, we lost a game, and now what if we lose another one?" I, I mean, I think he's giving them that attitude. And Todd said it there too. We got to park what happened last night and, and take the good things we did out of the game. Uh, and, and build on it. As much as we would like to believe it's possible for them to play the way they did against Pittsburgh every single night, the, the Oilers aren't at that stage. And I'm not saying that to, to accept the loss or anything like that. I'm just trying to be realistic about how I've seen the team perform this season. Yeah, no, but I do think they're going to make it, but they're just that that nervousness, almost like a nervous excitement and how well you know what happens if we don't lose this one, and then we're then we have to play L.A. again, and then San Jose, and then that can snowball a little bit, and that's why. But I think with the leadership that they have, I think that's going to be a uh, a big determinant in in what happens down the stretch. But I hope that they don't have one of those like where you know the Blue Jays had in the past, where that one one September they lost. But thirteen in a row to lose the pennant. Are you going back to nineteen eighty seven, buddy, with I the Jays? Seven, yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. You also you get an extra point for that, and you get an extra point as well for using the unseen hand of fate in this phone call. That's a great call, Jared. Yeah. Okay. Have a good night, Lee. <laughs> See you, buddy. That's Jared seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have more open line time. Got a question on the text line about Leon Dreisaitl, which is perfect because Todd McClellan commented on him today, and you'll hear that when we get back. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad. Hey, I want to tell you that the Golden Bears hockey team left today for Nationals in Fredericton. They wind up as the number one seed in the tournament. They'll play Acadia in the quarterfinals on Thursday. That's going to start at 10 a.m. Ched time. That'll be an early one out in Atlantic there. So uh, 1 p.m. Atlantic time, 10 a.m. here in Edmonton. Uh, Pandas uh, hockey at Nationals this week. Golden Bears volleyball will be hosting Nationals at the Savile Center. They will play Friday at 6.30 against Manitoba. We're actually going to talk a little bit about their team later on tonight. Pandas Volleyball, the number one seed for the tournament at Ryerson starting on Friday. They'll play Ryerson in their first game. So a quick university update there. Carlton, by the way, won the men's basketball championship for the seventh consecutive year. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Luis texting in, who says, everyone needs to relax. The Oilers will be fine. Just the collapse is scaring everyone because that's what we are used to the last 10 years. Luis also says, is there any report on Dreisaitl? Is he playing injured? He just disappeared, it seems like. And then Luis ends by saying, let's go Penguins, put those flames out. Well... Speaking of Leon Dreisaitl, Todd McClellan had this to say today. A little bit of his uh, his play, I think, is based on fatigue. He's played more hockey than probably anybody in the league. Um, he went prior to the World Cup over to Olympic qualifier. Um, so he started his season in August, went to the World Cup, and uh, has played a lot of minutes lately. So the biggest thing we can do for him right now is rest him both physically and mentally. Uh, thus, he's not skating today. 
and uh, we believe that he'll get back to where he was before. Um, he's hard on himself right now, um, and I think that sticks with him a little bit longer than maybe it should. Got to put uh, put the good ones, or pardon me, the bad ones behind you, and look forward. All right, Drysaddle just one goal in his last ten games. Doesn't look like he's quite been getting after the puck. I described him earlier in the season as almost shark-like. He would just focus on a guy and go in there and get him and get the puck away. Haven't seen that sort of pursuit lately. Still had some chances. You know, he's still getting chances. Haven't been going in. He made a great feed to Maroon yesterday with about 10 minutes left that Carey Price made an incredible save on that obviously could have changed the outcome of that game. Um, and, yeah, it has been a long season for Dreisaitl. Has been a long season for Dreisaitl. Played in the, uh, as Todd mentioned, for Germany in Olympic qualifying. That was before the World Cup. And, uh, I, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I have been tweeting a lot lately, optional skate for the Oilers, optional practice. And there's more and more of that around the league at this time of year because players tend to have the systems down, their muscles tend to have, uh, you know, be in tune or a little tired, quite frankly, from playing the whole season. So today there were only seven guys out on the ice. You know, all the guys who were healthy scratches last night. Benoit Pouliot was out there, by the way. So there will be more of that, I think, as we move along, especially as the team's playing every second day here for a little while. And Dreisaitl especially looks like a guy who might need the odd day of rest. Milan Lucic also asked about Dreisaitl and how you work your way out of a bit of a slump. Personally, I, I find sometimes less is more, you know, going getting back to the basic, basics and trying to keep it simple and just kind of focus on one or two little things other than big things and that's you know sometimes just getting your feet moving a little more and um you know just just shooting the puck a little harder and 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 bearing down and getting the puck out on the wall in the d zone as a winger and stuff like that so uh, you know we all we all know he how how great of a player he is and and how important he is to this team and uh I have more than enough confidence in him that he's going to turn it, turn it around, and uh, you know he's he's had experience with with uh, the Kelowna Rockets and, and and going through a playoff run with them with them, and you know that's as at a young age I think that's that's an important thing to go through because he knows you know at a at a different level what the grind is like. So uh, like I said, we're we have confidence in, in him that he'll turn it around and. You know, it's a long season. I mean, you look at Ovechkin right now, he's gone 10 games without a goal, and, and those things happen. So uh, sometimes it's a bounce, you know, uh, but it's it's creating that bounce. It's doing, like I said, those little things to create those bounce, and then after that, you know, there's you, you try not to look back and, and focus on, on the frustration after that. Yeah, there's Milan Lucic. Yo, he's... Always has a lot to say, and he's 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 quite well spoken. I find when he when he does his interviews, and he always tries to give you something thoughtful and, and not just the uh, cliche. So I, you you guys probably appreciate that as fans as well. It, it does beg the question with you know Drysaddle and Maroon, quite frankly, not hitting the score sheet a lot recently. If there will be some line shuffling, McClellan was asked about that today as well. It's been talked about and debated a lot. Um... You know, we it, it's often done to get players going, yet we think that we've had some good hockey out of uh, New Jebs and, and Milan as a group right now. So to take what they've repaired and break it up, uh, maybe we're going to start with or end up uh, trying to help more players than 
than we are right now. So, um, you know, we're debating on whether we move a couple players around. Uh, we'll likely give this this group an opportunity again. Um, it's not for lack of chances, certainly against Pittsburgh and and some of the other teams. So they're creating them; they're just not finishing them. If, if we were at the other end of the scale where nothing was going on, uh, then we'd be a little more concerned. So that's kind of been the message from McClellan. It, it, he said it last night after the game that he feels execution, not effort, is is the main problem for the team and look whenever you lose a game you can always say well what if I would have tried this or what if I would have done this here and I'm sure the players are going over that in, in their minds after the game and, and throughout the day here as they get ready for Dallas but generally and, and you've all heard Todd McClellan frustrated you know when he thought the team you know had effort issues or had concentration issues or, or weren't focusing on some of the details he didn't really seem to feel that way against Montreal last night um I mean, the Canadians played, I, I thought, a very sort of bash-the-door-down type style in, in how they tried to score goals, and ultimately it worked because Byron got a puck down low and made a good play out front, and then the other goal, the non-empty netter, was put a puck to the net. And yeah, you get a bounce off cleft bomb, but as we always say, you don't get the bounce if you're not putting the puck to the net. So and I thought it was also interesting. Lucic, Nugent Hopkins, and Everly. Nobody's been more under fire than those three guys this season the last 10 to 12 games have been better for those players and McClellan also said I don't now I don't want to break up that unit and start mixing things around and maybe create problems for other guys or create problems for those three after they've been getting it going so he indicated there we'll see at the morning skate tomorrow but he indicated there leaning towards the same lineup for tomorrow's game against the Dallas Stars um, but but clearly there's some shuffling that might be in mind here. I mean, I know uh, Wood Guy, one of the Oilers bloggers, was talking about Cassian with McDavid. I don't see that as a long-term solution, maybe shorthand. Could Pouliot get a look with McDavid at this point if you're leaving Lucic, Nugent Hopkins, and Everly together? I, I would think if Maroon and Dreisaitl don't start hitting the score sheet soon, anything goes there. All right, you can text 630-630, the open line number 780-496-0063. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. Pat says uh, on the text line, do you think Shirelli saying the team is not a contender before the deadline negatively impacted the team? Pat, good question. My answer would be no, because I, I still think the team is pretty confident. And he didn't necessarily say they're not a contender. He did say they're in step one or two of a five or six stage process. He basically indicated that he sees this team peaking and the Stanley Cup window being more widely open, you know, the next one to six years down the road than it is right now. I, I think the players are probably smart enough to realize that themselves. So, you know, I understand where the question is coming from, but my short answer would be no. I still think the confidence level is pretty high on the team. And quite frankly, I mean, it's the old cliche, but I think they're thinking about the next game, not about where they're going to finish in the playoffs. I I think they're focusing on Dallas tomorrow night. Jack Michaels will weigh in. Man, what a great fight call he had last night. You'll hear that too when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad.
Nurse and McCarron stretch one another out. Nurse lands a chopping right, then comes inside. Eats a right to the body. McCarron will go to the body and lands another right to the body. But Nurse fires with a right to the body. A right inside, an uppercut that's short. Then an uppercut that lands. A chopping right. A series of right hands. Two of which lands. And now Nurse has him pinned against the glass. McCarron has stopped throwing here. Short with a right hand. Short with an overhand right. Nurse a wild swing and a miss. Nurse has the helmet off and lands a clean right to the ear. McCarron fires back with a couple of right hooks and staggers Nurse, who ties him up. Eats a right hand. Right to the body, McCarron. Right to the chin. Nurse fires a straight right hand. They're trading heavy lumber here at Rogers Place. Vicious right hook from Nurse, and they pancake one another to the ice. Best fight we've seen all year at Rogers Place. Nurse and McCarron rocking him and socking him with abs oilers. Jack, you had me at pancakes. How's it going, buddy? Good. How are you? <laughs> Doing great. I'm Reed Wilkins. Jack Michaels on the other end of the line. That was Jack's call last night. Nurse McCarron, round two, Jack. They went at it a few years ago in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, I got to give uh, Bob Stoffer a lot of credit for that. We actually watched that fight together right before the game. So we had a bit of a scouting report and a bit of an inkling that there was some history there and there might be a rematch. And uh, sure enough, they were ready to get after it. And luckily they did in the first period because that was about the only thing interesting that happened in the first period. Montreal successfully kind of you know choked the life out of the game. And I know Edmonton got the first goal, but uh, eventually I think uh, the Canadians you know, trapping and checking, uh, got to Edmonton a little bit. Brendan Gallagher, who is, whenever, whenever I see him play, he's just one of the most relentless four-checkers in the game. I thought he created the game-time goal, and really uh, then it became a bounce. And Edmonton's got its fair share this year. Uh, last night it went the Canadians' way, and, you know, all of a sudden you're, we're talking about a, a skid and a slump, and, you know, if the shootout goes the other way and maybe if that game goes into overtime, instead we're talking about an altogether different kind of homestand. So I don't feel as many do that Edmonton's wobbling a bit here. I, I feel like the Oilers have been extremely competitive, even as they've gone just 7-9-1 and one over their last 17. And some people say, you know, I, I, I've been, you know, working the town a little bit today, and a lot of people are getting nervous, but I just don't get the sense that, it, you know, this team is, is struggling record-wise because it's playing poorly. I, that's not how I see it. Uh, I felt like uh, Montreal caught a break last night. It's probably a game that, that could have ended up in overtime. I'm not saying that, you know, Edmonton was the better team, but I also don't feel like the Oilers are playing poorly. You know, it's interesting, and I, and I, I said this earlier, 7-9-1 and one in their last 17, 13-3-3 three three in their 19 games before that. So the good stretch was still, you know, was, was more positive than, than the tough stretch has been negative. Though, I mean, you can't, they can't uh, dance around here too long. They've got to get back in the win column. It was an interesting game for me to watch the Canadians, Jack, and I said this to Rob during the, the intermission. Uh, I said, you know, it's like the Canadians were a football team that gets down to the three-yard line, and then you think, well, they're going to run or pass. No, they're just like fullback, <laughs> barge it into the end zone. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how they created their offense. It was a lot of jam plays and a lot of, um, you know, massive bodies in the crease. Well, and and again, I, I think Montreal successfully uh, clogged up neutral ice. I, I don't think there were a ton of times that Connor McDavid and, and the rest of the attackers were able to enter the offensive zone with any kind of speed. And that, 
the pace of play, I felt like favored Montreal, and I felt like the Canadians went to school a little bit in the first game against Edmonton, and I think Montreal recognizes that it, it can't trade chances with Edmonton. It, it's not as talented a team. Uh, they've gotten bigger uh, to deal with, uh, you know, potential opponents they may see. I, I think I think they want to. I think they want to be a different type of team coming out of the Atlantic Division. Uh, I don't know how they're going to fare um, once they cross over and, and maybe hook up with a Pittsburgh. Uh, and I'm not really sure that you know whoever comes out of the Atlantic Division has a realistic shot. I, I think it's a, I think quite frankly it's a weak division this year. Boston is playing very well right now. I'll be curious to see what the Bruins bring here on Thursday night. For me, that's the team that you know no one has talked about for a long time. For a, a long time, they were kind of. Uh, sitting around 500 and 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 out of the out of the playoffs, and, and the Bruins have kind of caught fire at the right time. They've got some players playing well right now. Marchand's been hot, you know, virtually the last couple of months. He carried them when they were struggling, and they've got some guys who've performed in the playoffs before. Uh, and I think the addition of David Backus is one reason why Montreal went out and got bigger at the deadline. I think they want some guys maybe looking forward to potentially an Atlantic Division final uh, that can match up and, and, and neutralize uh, David Backus. So it's it's real intriguing the type of Montreal team that we're looking at right now and, and the fact that, uh, you know, Claude Julien went in there and, you know, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, he goes in there and, and maybe they get a little bit bigger at the deadline. I mean, we all know the type of team Boston was when, when they won the Stanley Cup in 2011. So I think it's a team that's trying to position itself a certain way for certain matchups in the postseason. I ultimately think, though, that no matter what you do in the Atlantic, you're going to have a hard time uh, dealing. Your best chance probably is is that the survivor of the Metro right. is so beaten up uh, <laughs> that you might have a shot. Yeah, well, and Montreal has price, right? So goaltending is always the, well. That's the a great equalizer, but yeah. I just I look at this Metro. I'm, good goalies of the Metro. Yeah, and I I just yeah I'm, I'm saying you know we saw what Mark Andre Fleury did the other night, and he's not even the number one guy in Pittsburgh. So you know it's 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 a it's a loaded Metro division this year, and and really even when I look out west. Uh, you know, there's only there's only a handful of teams that that could really stack up in that division if if they were to play an 82 game season inside that division. So, it's uh it's an intriguing Eastern Conference. The Oilers have one more game against them. Uh, they're going to finish with a losing record against the East, but the real positive has been their play against the West all season. And I know the game isn't in Dallas tomorrow night, but Connor McDavid has had some big games against the Stars, and maybe a Stars team that you know since Lindy Ruff took over, it's it's odd because he did not have that reputation in Buffalo, but uh, they're first in the league in goals for, and they're 28th in goals against since Lindy Ruff took over in 2013. So for an Edmonton offense that's dried up a little bit, and I know you were talking about that a little bit on the postgame show last night, maybe the Stars will be just the perfect tonic, much like the Flyers were. If you think back to the last time Edmonton's offense grew a bit stale, about three or four weeks ago at Rogers Place, Philadelphia seemed to be the right, uh, the right type of team to get Edmonton back in the right direction.
Jack Michaels joining us inside sports on 630 Chet. He's the play-by-play voice for the Oilers here on Chet and the Oilers Radio Network. All right, one more quick one before I let you go because I always get you to tell a story whenever you're on the show, and you have had some beauties. Uh, (laughs) We started with the fight. Um, I mean, I know you've done, I I don't know, it's well over a 1,000 pro games now. I I apologize. I don't don't know the exact number. Do you remember the wildest fight or fight-filled game that you ever called? Well, I think I, I might have told this. I hope I'm not repeating myself, but I, I think I might have told this story before. Is there was a fight up in Anchorage, uh, the Alaska Aces against the Long Beach Ice Dogs, who were coached by Kevin Killer Kamensky, who you might remember as an undersized, tough guy in the mid '90s with the Washington Capitals. Well, there was a you know line brawl. And in that particular game, Long Beach had started a female goaltender by the name of Danielle Dubay. And there was a, a huge brawl, and our goaltender's name was Ryan Pearson. I believe he was, I believe he's from Winnipeg, if memory serves. And I remember as the line brawl was developing and, and guys started mixing it up, I was watching. I immediately started watching Kevin Kamensky, and sure enough, he motioned for Danielle Dupe to skate down and fight Pearson. And Pearson just kind of waved and, and skated off the ice. He, he just left the ice. He didn't even you know, bother to tie her up and, and just you know do a little dance. He just said, enough's enough. We're not going down that road and skated right off the ice. So that was one. And then during the lockout, I don't know whether you remember a Rangers tough guy by the name of Dale Purinton. Oh, yeah. um, he was he was a pretty tough customer in the NHL. I'm not sure how many games he ended up playing, but uh, <laughs> he in a game up in I think he was playing for Brian Maxwell's Victoria Salmon Kings, and he ended up matching up with uh, Alaska's B.J. Young, who was a former Red Deer Rebel. Uh, played a couple games in the NHL. He was a Detroit draft pick. And when Puritan came at P.J. Young, P.J.'s response was to take his helmet off and throw it at him and then try to use that distraction. I remember he just started wrestling him. He threw his helmet at him and then wrestled until enough guys could get at him because uh, Puritan, even at that point in his career, this was the 0405 lockout, uh, was known as a bit of a loose cannon. I, I don't think it's tough as BJ was, uh, he didn't want any part of him. So those are two that immediately kind of come to mind. I don't think you've told those before, at least not to be. Those oh, are great. all right, all right. Well, good, good, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, we almost had, uh, like I said, uh, and I, I, at some point, I think earlier that season, Danielle Dubay earned a victory with what is now Edmonton's Farm Club, the Bakersfield Condor. She had been traded from Bakersfield to Long Beach. So she was attempting to not only in the same season get a win, but also get her first fight. So that was, uh, you know... Yeah, that was if you if you look that up, I think it was the same year she played for Bakersfield and Long Beach, won in Bakersfield, beat the Aces. Uh, I was I was on the call for that one, and then uh, later that season uh, tried to get involved in a line brawl, and it was absolutely on orders for Killer. And I'm still friends with Kevin Kaminsky to this day, and we always laugh about that. Jack, thanks for your time, buddy. That was great. I'll see you at the rink tomorrow morning. You got it, pal. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.